And actually, the majority of those pa- those patients, you know, I mean, they're mentally ill, but a lot of them can actually survive in the outside world, you know, if they had a care or something. So she's actually yeah. very good at making them think that actually there's no way that they can survive out there without her. And do you know what I mean? In that way, she's very, like you said, manipulative. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the interesting thing that a lot of them are there are actually there by choice. That they could, yeah. they could actually walk out whenever they wanted. And that's what um, yeah. Jack's, um, you know, there's one point where he says that, doesn't he? And he says, you know, yeah. you're no, you're no, you guys are no more crazier than the guys out there in the real world, which is true when you think about it, you know. Um, um, I mean, obviously they, they can't, you know, do things by themselves, for instance, you know, like a day-to-day, so they'd need a carer. But yeah, they that they're, they're there for you know by their own choice. You know they don't really need to be there, uh, or at least need to feel like they have to be there. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And on the flip side, you know, in that situation, well, they should be looked after and cared after, and <laughs> not come across <laughs> people like that. But unfortunately, you know, we've heard numerous nightmare stories about. Obviously, not people like her, but you know, people that have abused the system and you know, taking care of you know, the elderly and stuff and doing awful things to them. So, so you know, she's very good in that way, but obviously, you know, um, out there in the real world, but I mean, there wouldn't be people like her per se, but she's so it's because she's very, um, I can't, I can't say it, but she's so creepy, isn't she? She's like, it's like, yeah. I mean, she like, never oh, kind of goes to a point where you can. She never loses her temper, really. She does never she? loses Either. it, yeah, and she never, you know, makes it too obvious what she's doing. She's very kind of calculated in what she's doing. So yeah. She never breaks her own rules. She kind of pushes everything to the limit and really pushes people. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of see she enjoys getting. You know, at first she's she's kind of tested by Jack Nicholson's character and mm. you can tell instantly she's put off by him because she knows she's going to constantly question her authority. But the more she starts to wind him up, she starts to enjoy it. Yeah, but she definitely yeah. doesn't like him, does she? No. Because, you know, he's not as easily easily swayed as the other characters. Yeah. She's managed well, to get this whole group in, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, well, he stands up to her, and that's like a bully, yeah. like being told what to do. It's kind of going back to the, um, you know, the Queen of Hearts situation <laughs> in a way, isn't it? And <laughs> yeah. it's one hand, it's the kind of woman who doesn't like being told, you know, otherwise. Basically, it's her way or no way, really, isn't it? So when someone um, calls her out on it, it's it's a real threat to them, I think. So she's, um, I mean, she she won an award, didn't she? As did he, I think. They both did. Yeah, that film got quite a few Oscars. And I think, yeah, she did win as well. She was so good in the film. I haven't seen her in anything else. Did she ever do any other films? She did quite a few. I mean, she tended, because she was a character actress, so she tended to be, you know, um, she'd be like fourth or fifth build in quite a few films. I mean, yeah, she did quite a few. Because in a way, that film, she was a bit of a, 
Well, he was the lead, but she was also kind of a <clears throat> lead in a way. Yeah. I think, you know, she basically, she wasn't massive, hugely known at the time, whereas Jack Nicholson was kind of building a name for himself at the time. Yeah. So it's just one of those things, really. I mean, it's difficult when you're not like the, you know, the Hollywood glamour kind of icon to no. kind of have a, you know, really kind of steady leading career as a woman. But at the same time, I always think that being a character actor is far more interesting. And if you, you know, yeah. if you if you talk to, like, for instance, I mean, I went to drama school and numerous others do. And I'm sure, like, the other people, you know, who were there the same time I was, they would say, you know, they'd all rather go up for character actor roles. Because actually when you're a leading person, you've got a lot to live up to, I think. And and then you kind of get to the point where you're typecasted, where, I mean, I think, you know, a good example is one, Tom Cruise, because actually Tom Cruise is a really good actor. I mean, he's he's done some really good work in his earlier stuff. Like, I mean, I thought he was just absolutely amazing in Magnolia. Um, yeah. And that really showed him off as an actor. And then, and then as the years went by, I think it was when the first Mission Impossible film came out. I mean, that was like in the 90s, wasn't it? The one where he's like holding on to the Eurostar. And then those yeah. films took off the franchise and, you know, he just kind of became more of an action star. So in a way, you know, he does less of the acting and he's more of the stunts. But actually, it's kind of demoting yourself as an actor in a way. Do you know what I mean? You're getting it this can be a point. little bit, yeah. I mean, if you're like, if you're the the heroic lead all the time, there's only so many different variations you have on that. Yeah, yeah. But I always think it's so much more interesting when your character actor, a bit like, well, Gary Oldman's a good, you know, good example of yeah. that. I mean, he's he played leads, but I think he's also been very good at doing, you know, small parts. Like he was the, um, you know, Harry Potter's uncle in the end. Um, you know, things like that, where he has little bits that he still. Uh, Leon's a good example. <laughs> I mean, he's not yeah. that film for you know, a lot of the time, really. If you think about it, it's mostly Leon and, um can't remember her name, her character, Natalie Portman's character. What's her name in that yeah. film? Uh, Matilda. Yeah, Matilda. So, you know, it's mostly focused around their relationship and, um, you know, her avenging her brother's death and all that kind of stuff. But um, I always think it's a bit like, um, you know, those films that flop, when they come out in the cinema, a bit like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. They come out on video and then after many years, they kind of build up a cult following and eventually they get the, notori the notoriety or, you know, or the acclaim that they deserved. Um, I think in the long-term run, you're always going to remember those kind of films and those kind of performances from character actors more than you would as say, it's, you know, I like, you know, this year's biggest action hero, then can yeah. you imagine? You know what I mean? In like sort of 10 or so years' time, you think, well, actually, you know, as you get older, you think, wasn't he wasn't <laughs> that, you know what I mean? He wasn't that great. At the time, it worked and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas always going to remember people like him. Um, I mean, there's so many great actors, and they've all said it, like character actors. The ones you always tend to remember more are the ones like, well, I mean, they tend to get the brilliant parts, don't they? So, yeah. so, 
they um, tend to one, be the ones that I mean, stand out. People like Kevin Bacon, uh, Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, obviously they've become more leads as they've, you know, gotten later on into their careers, but they've always kind of set up to be kind of character actors. And another one who sadly passed away, which was a real shame, was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, he was a great actor, yeah. Uh, Meryl Streep, she is another one. And obviously, like, she's, you know... She's managed to combine the two very well, I think. Yeah. Being the but, leading lady and the kind of... Yeah. Always doing she, different characters. Yeah, but she started off being more of a character actor. <clears> yeah. But then, but then she's become... And she's a lot older now, and she's developed... You know, she's become more of a leading lady. Um. But she never disappoints you. And Robert De Niro is the same. Well, actually, Robert De Niro has kind of gone the other way now. He's kind of let himself down, really. Um, but that's more to do with his ex-wife fleecing him for all his money's <laughs> worth, really, isn't it? So he's just doing basically anything and everything, whereas he used yeah. to be more yeah. uh, picky about what he did. You know? But definitely his early stuff, like Taxi Driver, um, um, what were the other ones he did? Their comedy, Kings of Comedy, or whatever. Yeah, King of Comedy, yeah. Yeah, and all this. Oh, yeah. A Broad's Tale, that was another good one he did and he directed. Um, so I think a lot of the time you tend to remember those character actor performances a lot more better, better than you would with the leading parts in the long term run, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's, you know if you get good leading roles, it can be um, a bit different. But I think, you know, with conventional kind of Hollywood movies, particularly the stuff that's at the cinema at the moment, it's quite, you know, heroes are quite bland and even the villains now are getting quite bland in a lot of these, you know, the comic book films. Um, so all the good character actors tend to be these little quirky side roles. Yeah. Um, but the heroes and villains are both, both quite bland. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything else you want to say about Nurse Ratched? Uh, no. I think no. We've, we've covered her. All right, then. Um, so, so, should we go into one of mine? Uh, yeah. Okay, here's one. Um, Patrick Bateman, American Psycho. Oh, yeah. See, that's a very interesting one, isn't it? Because he's like, he's the protagonist, but he's also a villain. So, I mean, that's, yeah. A, yeah. yeah, I was, and also, like you said, I was kind of umming and erring. Should I put him on this list? Because really... Like you said, he's he's the protagonist, and in a way, it's not his fault, is it? Because he's just <laughs> he's just a narcissist, <laughs> and, yeah. and so, but but he he kind of knows it, doesn't he? So you can tell he does, yeah. So but you do see like him sort of questioning his reality, don't you? So yeah, moments where he's so, just losing his grip on reality. Yeah, and I've spoken. Um, we did, uh, we sort of loosely covered him on um, when we did our Valentine special with Jason and his partner, Rachel, where we talked about love in the movies and we put him under the category of self-love, but in a yeah. way, it's not the, the positive kind of self-love. It's <laughs> very deluded yeah. self-love. Do you know what I mean? It's taken... Yeah, definitely, to, yeah. It's, um, it's not set on real self-love it's just like fancying yourself big time you know he's just obsessed with I mean he is a really interesting character and the film doesn't really portray the book because apparently the book goes into a lot more detail and the ending 
of the book is a lot more different. Like, I think they were very disappointed, a lot of the readers, with the film, because it doesn't end, you know, according to the book the same way. Like, but basically in the film, it makes out that actually it's all gone on in his head. But I think, I'm not yeah. sure what happens in the book. Did you ever read the book? I mean, the book goes I, into... I never read the book, but I'm guessing, obviously, they, they're a lot clearer on, you know, what yeah. happened, yeah. Because I, I think, think the film is quite good at making it quite ambiguous. Yeah. And you could sort of see it that it's all in his head, or you could sort of yeah. um, envision other things have gone on as well. Because I think in the actual book, um, he is actually getting away with it. So he's actually doing that stuff. But I don't know. I need to, I mean, I don't read because I'm dyslexic, but there are audio books. So I'll get around to listening to it. But um, I know from someone's perspective, I knew someone who said he read it and it goes into a lot more detail. Like, you know, there's those scenes where he talks about, oh, have you listened to the new Huey Lewis? And the, 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 yeah. you know, <laughs> on about um, Phil Collins' latest song, you know, just really sort of not so interesting things, you know, you know, and he's just like yapping away. And um, but he's a really interesting character because like you said, he's the protagonist, but he's also the villain. And he's just... He's so nasty to people like his girlfriend. Like, he's just like, when he dumps her, he's just like, you know, I'm just not that bothered, really. I'm not that invested. You know, and she's like, you're inhuman. (laughs) (laughs) And he really doesn't care. He's like, I'm late for an appointment or so. Oh, I have to return some videos. You know what I mean? It's stuff that's really not important. But he's obsessed with getting the best suits, the most expensive suits, the most lavish apartment and you know he gets up really early and he does so many stomach crunches and he you know he goes into this whole I mean the opening monologue is all about him isn't it so that's a very good yeah opening you know like his his daily skin routine and you know what he does and all this kind of stuff and it's all me 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 basically I I I but yeah he's he's very interesting Patrick Bateman I mean I don't know what we can really say about him other than the fact is we all know he's a typical narcissist. Is he a narcissist or a psychopath? I think he's definitely got elements of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I can never tell the difference between a sociopath, a psychopath and a narcissist because a lot of the time some of the traits um, sort of... Um, they Yeah, they do sort of cross over, over, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of them... I think, I can't remember who is. A sociopath has some level of, I get confused. It is really confusing, these kind of, you know, I mean, it is interesting how these persons are. I think he's definitely kind of leaning into the sort of psychopath. Well, yeah, it's Um, American Psycho. (laughs) That is for sure. Please in the title, yeah. Yeah, but I mean... You know, I don't know. I mean, you can help me up with this. Why do you think he's an interesting villain? Because we we kind of see him more as protagonist, don't we? I mean, the worst scene I think is when he kills the prostitutes with the oh, that was awful. I think yeah. I had to stop the film at one point when he's sort of running after them with the chainsaw. Yeah, with the chainsaw, yeah. He sort of dropped it down the stairs, yeah. Yeah, because one of them he's killed already. Um and the other one's running away and he drops it down. Oh, that was awful. It was just horrible. <laughs> that, you know, that sound of that chainsaw. Oh, it's just really. But yeah, what can you say about him? 
Why is he think, a good villain, Tom? Other it's just an interesting film. I think because the film has this very satirical edge as well. So it's really kind of sending up that 80s culture of, um, you know, Wall yep. Street yuppies and consumerism. Yeah. Uh, you know, they make these constant jokes that all the kind of yuppies look the same and they're all mistaking each other. And that kind of leads to these conflicting <laughs> a, you know, areas in the plot where, you know, he thinks he's killed a certain person, but they turn up somewhere else because there's been mistaken identity. So, you know, oh, they never quite, happened? yeah. So, it's I mean, you know. I've seen that film, I've got to rewatch yeah, and it. And, and even at one point, someone else keeps calling him by another name. So even he gets mistaken for other people as well. Yeah. Um, so it's why they can't quite ever pin whether someone who's, you know, who's has been murdered or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just really, you know, really funny and sort of how everyone's interchangeable. Yeah. But I think, I mean, you know, he's, in, kind of, yeah. It's kind of got like, um, I mean, when you look at it as in the genres, there's so many things it could be labelled as. It could be labelled as a dark comedy then yeah. it could be as a, I guess, like a horror film, a slasher film. But then there are bits of the film that are actually weirdly funny, like the one, you know, the moments you just described. described. Or when he's yeah. about to yeah. call Jared Leto and he puts on that, like, ridiculous raincoat. And, you know, <laughs> and then he's dancing in that crazy yeah. way. Yeah. You know, he's going on about... Huey Lewis's latest album and he does that crazy dance and also he goes he goes what's the name of that guy he plays I can't remember um anyway he goes I think uh, yeah Paul his name hey, is Paul. Yeah. and and he turns around and he goes ah <laughs> and there's just blood <laughs> spurted everywhere and it's carnage um but it's just he's just he's just mental <laughs> he's mental um but yeah he's he's so interesting I don't know what you can really say about him other than what we've said He's he's just an interesting villain stroke protagonist, and I don't think there are any other films like that, are there? I guess the Joker. The Joker was, you know, close to that. I think yes. I'm, yeah. I'm a bit more of a fan of American Psycho. Though. I think the Joker owed a little bit too much to that film, and then you Taxi have... Driver as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it was yeah, it was good, but it wasn't as good as um, you know a few people made out. And you know, Taxi Driver. In a weird way, he actually kind of becomes the hero at the end, doesn't he? Because he ends up saving the young prostitute from the pimp. So even though you know he's unhinged, he kind, you know, he kind of becomes a hero. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, because he still has this kind of sense of morality, doesn't he? So that's probably what makes him a bit different. Mm. Whereas Patrick Bateman just doesn't give a shit about it. He does what he no. wants to do. He just like just, you know, yeah, no empathy. Absolutely no empathy whatsoever. And but you know what scene always cracks me up? And um on the film lovers Facebook page that you know I have, um, and you comment all the time <laughs> on <laughs> um I posted it several times, but I just think that scene's hilarious. It, and it goes back to what you were saying about yuppies all looking the same or yeah, you know, all the same things but more expensive more extravagant they go into this whole scene about their bloody business cards and he's like <laughs> and he goes yeah, and he yeah. goes look at that uh it's fine blah 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 and you know what if i sat at a table with these guys i would be bored out my mind and i would be just thinking they all look the same 
I don't know why you're getting so um, excited about, about these stupid business cards. And uh, and my friend Jason went, he said, oh, it's through the paper quality. <laughs> it just looks the same to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, it, yeah, it goes back to what you're saying. And and the thing is, is that till that point, you know, he he has a better card until I think it was um, Gialetto's pool character shows his card or someone else's card. Someone shows his card on it. And he goes... He goes, oh my god, it's even got a fine bone. He gets yeah. the thickness of it, and he's he's basically having a bit of an orgasm talking about it, really, isn't he? Yeah, he gets, and he sort of has a little bit of a meltdown of yeah, jealousy and he, and he, as well. And his face just drops. He goes, nice, and you can see the contempt in his face just drop. Um, you know, as he goes from smug from being the best out of like, you know, oh crap, somebody else's, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. And there's that there's that point where he has the suit as well. It's just before that scene, and he goes, "Oh, is uh, one of the colleagues goes, oh, is that the new?" Uh, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, "Your comment was enough, Lewis, because he touches it, doesn't he? And he doesn't like it." Yeah, yeah, he's really possessive, isn't he? And he's just like, um, you know, it's that famous line about Dorcia, like, "I want to have you know." <laughs> Uh, dinner at Dorcia tonight, and because because Dorcia the restaurant, you know, is always <laughs> yeah, it's the in thing, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you reckon there are any people like that in the sort of uh, the yuppie world, banking business? There I think there's, def- there's definitely elements of that, minus the chainsaws. But yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, you do have that kind of thing. Yeah, just obsessed with money and wealth, and you know, it's. And even even his um, girlfriend, you know, is a possession to him. It's just all possessions, isn't it? He he doesn't think about them as people or people. And there's one point when he's really rude to the poor Chinese people at the dry cleaners. Yeah, <laughs> you know, who's washing their bloody his bloody stain and stains on this uh, sheet where he's killed someone, but they have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like, oh, yeah. But yeah, he's interesting. I think he's the only one really explored in the film as being the protagonist, straight villain. And then, like you said, I mean, Joker's an interesting one because Joker originally wasn't a main lead, was he? He was in the Batman films. So he was the villain in the Batman films. It's only as the years got by and then and then um, people got more obsessed with comic book films and stuff that, you know, he kind of had his own film and Joaquin Phoenix, who's amazing, um, played him. But otherwise, we haven't really seen someone like Patrick Bateman, have we, really? As no, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's quite rare to have that kind of character as a lead. Do you kind of um, root for him, do you think, as an audience member, the first time you see it? Um I'm not like sure it? you necessarily root for him. I think because you've got the the, the black comedy edge, I mm. think, you know, if it was taken very seriously, I think it might be difficult to kind of uh, watch maybe. Um, but I think because it's kind of black comedy and satirical, yeah, you, that's kind of what keeps you, you know, watching the character. Yeah. It, I mean, it can be interesting to, you know, see a film from a villain's perspective, I guess, mm. as it's a bit different. We need to do like a video essay about about him. He's a very interesting character, isn't he? 
yeah most definitely yeah I mean it's you've got so many different angles to him um but yeah for sure but he's definitely a very interesting character he's obsessed with things and wanting things and if he doesn't get the best things he gets really annoyed <laughs> the safest <laughs> off. but yeah he's definitely a psychopath <laughs> Uh, and the definite narcissist for sure. Um, anything else you want to say about Patrick Bateman? Oh, you know what's funny is that on the YouTube comments, um, people write, you know, he became Patrick. He was Patrick Bateman, and then he became Batman. It was quite an interesting yeah. <laughs> contrast. Yeah. You know what I mean between yeah. the two? You know, Bateman, Batman. You know, you can <laughs> <laughs> where did that jump come from? Um, and uh, you know what's interesting about that film because that film came out. I think that film got made in like 2000 or 2001, 2000. And he was 27 yeah. in that film. Um, and he obviously had to buff up. I mean, we all know how crazy he is about, you know, he's a bit of a yeah. method actor. Buffing up so, or getting really skinny and just or, or getting really fat. Really fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is extreme. I mean, he's doing it again lately for something, which is just like extremely dangerous to the body. And everything really your heart your brain you know what I mean and there was that yeah. one point um I've never seen it um I will get around to it the machinist is it machinist Where yeah that's think? a really good film yeah um but I know that's a really kind of grim film um and he just looks super anorexic because he lost a hell of a lot of weight um and like even his own family was worried about it. <laughs> I mean he he looked like he was on death's door really didn't he he takes it too far sometimes yeah I mean I think yeah, that definitely was taken too far but I mean that's mm. quite an interesting companion piece to American Psycho because yeah. it's another character where he can't quite distinguish you know reality so it's you know another interesting film mm, for sure but he's also a very good character actor uh but, um Christian Bale for sure yeah so, he's just become yeah. a very good lead as well over the years which is kind of a shame because he got typecast as Batman and all that stuff um but he's still going strong but just not as strong in the cinema world is he he's more of a tv person now yeah it's a bit of a mix I mean oh. I think the difficulty with him is he's a very intense actor similarly with uh Tom Hardy as well who's quite intense so yeah. a lot of character actors you get leading roles but it's difficult <laughs> to get a leading role that kind of matches your intensity, you're kind of, mm. it's difficult sometimes. But he yeah. does like to get really into characters when he plays real life people as well. Yeah. So he's got that ability to kind of immerse himself in a real life, you know, person. Yeah, yeah. Because I think he's doing more TV lately, but he's still going strong. He's just not so much in, you know, films, I think. But um, yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've spoken enough about Patrick Bateman. Is there anything else you want to say about him? Uh, no, I think we've covered Patrick. Yeah, other than him being a very interesting protagonist stroke villain at the same time. <laughs> but he's funny as well. That's what makes it interesting. Yeah. I think, yeah, they have like funny scenarios for him. And he's kind of very, he's a character that doesn't really kind of have a humour. No. And when it is, it's kind of very, when he tries to be funny in the film, it kind mm. of falls flat because he's got this weird, you know, warped sense of reality. But, you know, he does funny things by a consequence of, you know, 
you know, like the the business card thing are just inherently funny. Yeah. There's a there's a moment that always makes me laugh where he's got this really grim expression on his face, you know, pacily walking to work, and then in his earphones it's got walking on sunshine. Oh, by, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Katrina and the waves. Katrina and the waves. Yeah. So. You know his, you know his uh, expression looks like he's listening to I don't know Joy Division or Radiohead or something. But you know in his ear, in his ears, it's uh, yeah, walking on sunshine. And actually, the funny thing is, his taste in music really isn't that good, is it? <laughs> what are you saying about Phil Collins? No, actually, I like Phil Collins, but I'm yeah. just saying, I'm just saying, is that for someone who's supposed to be like hip and stuff? No, I do exactly, like yeah. Yeah, you know I, I know it's like set in the 80s, but I mean, it's still kind of, it's quite light and a little bit tame, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't realise, it's, is it deliberately set in the 80s? I didn't realise, I thought it was basically... Yeah, yeah, I think era. it is set in the 80s, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can kind of tell that, really. But yeah, he's kind of, it's just all these things he thinks he's so good at, and, you know, that his taste is impeccable, but actually... It's not his taste isn't really that good, really, is it? No. <laughs> when you think about it, which kind of shows you how warped his his world is, really, or his mind is. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't kind of. He wants all the kind of best things. He's always aware of the best fashions and obviously the best restaurants, but yeah, yeah. other little minor things that don't interest him, he's never quite aware of them. So no, no he's no. not aware of the latest in. Uh, you know what's fashionable in music because I think even back then maybe Phil Collins was a little bit kind of looked down upon oh really as a, bit, as a little bit kind of naff I guess but you know um I do like a bit of Phil Collins though I like Phil Collins I'm not slugging yeah. anymore <laughs> although I All can right. never they use one of his songs in a in a particularly kind of well let's just say a sex scene so but every time I listen to that yeah. song now, it just I get images of Patrick Bateman, you know, admiring himself in the mirror while he's what? kind of uh, having sex with a prostitute. Oh, it's two of them, isn't it? He's yeah. telling them what to do to each other. Do you remember? Yeah, Susudio. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, 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 Susudio, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so every time you hear that song, is that that film comes into your mind? It does, that scene, yeah. It just It's kind of ruined that song a little bit. And it's one of my favourite Phil Collins songs as well. So, you know, you reckon, forever tarnished. Do you reckon Phil Collins gained a bigger uh, following after that film? <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've actually got a little um, bit of trivia about American Psycho, about who um, Christian Bale apparently based this performance on. Oh, go on, tell me. Uh, Okay, you might have heard this one, but apparently um, he was watching David Letterman one night um, and Tom Cruise was on there and he was kind of transfixed by the fact that Tom Cruise was kind of very smiley and happy because, you know, like Cruise is very kind of positive when he's on his interviews and things. Yeah, he was yeah. smiling and laughing, joking away and everything. And uh, But Christian Bale was kind of fascinated by the fact it seemed like he had dead eyes and there was nothing going on. A bit harsh on it's a bit harsh on Tom Cruise, but you know that's where he got part of his basis for Patrick Bateman. You know what's funny is that that link you sent me with a photo. You can kind of tell actually, it's a bit of um, it's a bit neurotic and crazy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he does I mean, sort of. You know, sometimes he's forcing it, isn't he, Tom Cruise? Yeah, well, 
what you see, I mean, if it's just an image and you just saw like that moment where, you know, that was possibly the moment that inspired him for Patrick Bateman, um, you can kind of see that actually. It does sometimes come across like he's a bit fake. I don't think he is, um, but you know, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I go into that, you know. So, yeah, so, um, we'll go into that on the Tom Cruise episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but there you go. Well, that's an interesting fact. Is there anything else you want to say about Patrick Bateman or American Psycho? Uh, no, I think we've covered um, covered him at the moment. Yeah, I think we've pretty yeah. much done it. Um, we've run the bandit. So, um, all right, so let's go on to one of your choices for one of your favourite movie villains or villainesses. Uh, I'm going to say I'm torn between a couple, but I think I'm going to go with um, Heath Ledger as the Joker. Okay. Yeah. Can you say that again? Because you, you kind of keep cutting off every now and then. Okay, now I'm going to go for Heath Ledger as the Joker. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Why, why um, Heath Ledger as the Joker? I think it was just the the intensity that he brought into it. Um, obviously Chris Nolan did like a lot you know a much darker kind of comic book film than we've been used to um, a lot more grounded and I think that you know Heath Ledger really kind of invested himself into the role Um, and he you know he's so good in it he really kind of makes the film yeah have you have you seen him in have you seen that film yeah yeah, I've seen it um he just creeped me out big time in that film. He was so intimidating and so scary. And it's that kind of, it's like, you know, like all clowns, they have that false smile on their face. Do you know what I mean? And it's actually very yeah. creepy. Very. Um, so I've never been a fan of clowns, really. Um, but I'll tell you a funny story about the Joker, actually. Me and my sisters went to see um, Toy Story 4 when it came out, right? <laughs> And we were in there and it was like a Wednesday evening or Friday evening or something. Uh, and it was like an early show. It was about seven or something. It was during the summer holidays. So there were loads of kids in there with their parents and their, you know, aunties and things, uh, parents, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they were, showing, they were showing the trailers. And, you know, I just come straight from work and so my sisters. So we were all kind of tired and you're like, but we really went to see Toy Story 4, right? <laughs> showing the trailers and it didn't once occur to me that hang on a minute these trailers are way too scary to be showing to family and kids so the first one was hereditary yeah. <laughs> and, then the, yeah. and then the second one came on and it was the joker uh, and, uh, and and the trailer to the joker was quite scary to say the least and then this guy who worked at the origin suddenly came in came into the room and the projector turned off and the lights turned on and it, oh I'm so sorry folks that the projectionist put on the wrong <laughs> <laughs> on the wrong put on the wrong uh, what do you call it reel or whatever for the trailers yeah. so um so and this woman behind me she goes she goes I only came with my nephew and my niece and I hate clowns as well. <laughs> <laughs> so that was yeah. really funny but yeah, even the trailer, you know, scared the crap out of us. And we did get a free complimentary ticket as an apology afterwards. So that was a good thing about it. But that's my funny sort of antidote about the Joker. But <laughs> I thought I'd get that in 
Um, yeah. But yeah. can you imagine that? <laughs> I can imagine kids. it's quite easy to do, yeah. Um, yeah. Because particularly now they do everything with digital files, don't they? So it's not even a case of you've got to switch a reel. It's just doing something on the computer. Oh, I see. So it's not literally switching the reel over anymore. They don't. Do no, because they do. They show everything on digital. Pretty much everything now on digital files. Uh, okay. Well, that would kind of make more sense rather than actually getting the reel, you know, putting it in, taking it out. Like yeah. What we used to say. But yeah. Anyway, carry on. Heath Ledger in the in um, the Batman. What? What one was it? What installment was it in? The second. It one? was the the second one of Chris Nolan's films. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many, but obviously Chris Nolan, yeah. he did three. And, uh, yeah, the second one is the the best one. And I think a lot of that is down to um, Heath Ledger because yeah. he's so kind of, he's so intense in it, but he's also amusing as well. Mm. He's just got this interesting energy in the film, I think, which it really kind of, yeah. it's a lot darker than just maybe, say, when Jack Nicholson did it. Well, when Jack Nicholson did it, it was a lot more kind of hammy and silly and funny, wasn't it, really? Yeah. It was, it was OTT, whereas Ledger really kind of took it to extremes. And wasn't that supposedly the role that kind of traumatised him? Apparently, you know, there's rumours going around saying... I mean, I think they did, they did rumour certain things, and then I think, it, you know... Jack Nicholson himself said that he'd kind of warned off Heath Ledger mm. from doing the role because, you know, in case he got too kind of into it. I don't think there's a um, did, much in that, but, you know, he was he was on prescription pills and things like that. So, yeah, he was um, really bored, wasn't he? He was on sleepy because he couldn't sleep and stuff. And no, he was on yeah. several like, barbiturates and things and... You know, I mean, it's really sad what happened to him. Um, apparently, do you know who he based his character on? So you told me about um, Patrick Bateman, but I know who he based that character on. Do you know who it is? Um, I can't remember. I've probably heard one or two things. So it's, he apparently based it on a singer called Tom Waits. Do you know Tom Waits? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. I know got an American, he's an American kind of blues singer and he's got that yeah. very deep voice. Um, I think he sang um, Chocolate Jesus. That's I love that song. Um, but he's got that very kind of, uh, kind of gruffly rough voice. And you can kind of like hear that in his voice and Heath Ledger's voice. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think they actually did a film together. Heath Ledger's last film. Uh, Is that the yeah, Terry Gilliam film, and I think Tom Waits was also in that as well. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, because he's done a few little bits and pieces, but you can see, you can definitely hear he's based his voice on Tom yeah, Waits. Yeah, yeah. And a bit yeah. of the look well, if you know what I mean. I yeah. I know that sounds, but you know what I mean, his, like, mannerisms and things like that, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, oh, I didn't realise that he was in um, that film. Yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure he's in it. He's done a couple of Terry Gilliam films, so um, yeah, yeah. But you, you definitely do get that connection. I think when you see him kind of performing, or you see him yeah. in person, Tom Waits. That you know, there's a definitely a little, little bit of Heath Ledger's Joker there. 
Yeah, for sure. In the interviews, it definitely comes across as well um, when Tom Waits does his interviews. And he's got that very kind of rough voice, hasn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else do you want to say about the Joker? Well, what I think was... also the other, yeah, the other thing is that you don't really ever learn much backstory about him. And they keep no. it very mysterious. Yeah. Yeah, Which I, think... I think, you know... Yeah, it's just, I think it's more effective that way in a villain like that to, you know, where you're not really sure of his motivations and why he's doing things. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't want to start. I think films sometimes can spend way too long going on about backstories and then, you know, that's why they end up being three hours long. Yeah. I mean, I never saw the, um, the one of fucking Phoenix. I mean, that's supposed to be amazing, but... I just think, you know, in a way, like you said, especially with the way Heath Ledger done it, did it, um, it's best to kind of leave it as being quite ambiguous and leaving it up to the audience to kind of figure out, out why he's that way. Do you know what I mean? I think that yeah. sort of adds, adds to the mystery. I mean, because you can clearly tell, especially by Heath Ledger's performance, that, you know, the Joker's a very... He's quite, I mean, you can tell there's obviously an inner child in there that's been abused or somehow, do you know what I mean? It, he's had a traumatic past, which is often the way, you know, sometimes bad guys turn out, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's um, it's strange. I don't think I wanted to watch The Joker with fucking Phoenix, even though he's an amazing actor, because I just thought it kind of ruins the illusion of The Joker. He's He's meant to be a bit of a question mark, I think. Yeah. I mean, I suppose because it's a different kind of film, it's not necessarily um, a comic book film. So, you know, it does have its own interesting kind of aspects. But, yeah, I do prefer, you know, I do prefer Heath Ledger as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Yeah. It's a shame he never got to receive his Oscar for that, wasn't it? No, I think, you know, he died shortly before it came, the film came out. It was his fam. It was his family that accepted his his parents. I think that accepted the award. Yeah. It was just so sad because you could see the whole auditorium like it just went quiet. You know, when as soon as his name was announced as one of the nominees, you know, when they did the nominees, like everyone was clapping for the other ones, and all of a sudden, you know, a photo of him came up and he fled for you know. Uh, was it the Dark Knight and just like silence, and you could see all their reactions, and it was just like heartbreaking really do you know what I mean because he was only 28 wasn't he yeah and he he was just kind of on the rise as, as well he'd yeah. done a string of like really kind of good performances and you could tell he was going to be you know Huge. one of the next great actors I think yeah it's a, it's a real shame but because the last um yeah the film he did that before that I think was Brokeback Mountain wasn't it? And he, he got nominated yeah win an award for that one um and then the last one he did was um what was that one? Oh, hi lulu are you talking to your friend i am yeah i've just got to put a capri sun straw in a capri sun there we go okay all right hello what's her name sonia sonia nice name yeah <laughs> do you like her yeah, we're good. we're talking about horrible movies, Lulu. Horrible. Who's your favourite baddie in movies? 
What about who's the Hello? worst baddie? Who's the worst baddie in films? I'm hmm? not gonna say Cordoba at all. Okay, don't say. Who's okay. the scariest one? Okay. Who's the scary? Voldemort. Uh, so that's that's the official winner of the whole list. <laughs> that's a good choice, Lulu. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye, Lulu. Bye bye, Dada. See you then later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although you know, I have to agree with her. Voldemort is a scary baddie. He is very scary because we're watching all the films again at the moment. So um, yeah, even I'm getting scared of him. Yeah, he is. When, when's the first time you see him properly? I think it's see... number four. Yeah, the fourth film. Okay. Because you see a hint of him in number one, don't you? And then yeah. I think as it progresses. But I think the first time you really kind of, kind of get a good look at um, Ray at Fiennes is in the fourth one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he is really just terrifying in that. Yeah, he, he doesn't think, oh, it's a kid's film, I'll hold back. He just goes all out. <laughs> That's that's really good because it must be quite hard to not think. Oh, actually, this is a kids' film. Blah 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 blah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, good choice, Lulu. She's off anyway. But <laughs> she's off. She's got her Capri Sun now. Okay, she might come back again. I mean, she's already made an appearance. <laughs> so you never know when she'll come in again. <laughs> yeah. All right then. I should let listeners know. Um, we've continued this episode. Uh, on another day because we had to end it last time, didn't we? So she came in on the um, the last recording, didn't she, Tom? Yeah. She was meant to sleep. She was meant to go to bed. It was late at night. And <laughs> she was like, I love you, Dada. Bye, Dada. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Good night. Go to bed. <laughs> so, yeah, we're continuing the recording. So just to let people know because all of a sudden it's a Sunday and we've finished the last recording on the Friday so we're just continuing the recording so yeah so um uh so anything else do you want to say about Heath Ledger as the Joker Tom uh no I think you know it's just one of the best villains of recent times yeah and you know it's hard so many people have played it since haven't they I mean Jared Leto really Leto is it Leto yeah Jared Leto yeah he kind of really faffed that up in Suicide Squad, didn't he? And that film was a flop, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they just, everything about it was trying too much, trying too mm-hmm. hard, like the costume, you know, what he was doing. And then obviously he was quite, his role was quite minimal in it. It was quite quite forced. So, yeah. yeah. So um, it's bound to be one of those roles. It's a bit like everyone else, isn't it? Like Batman and all those other comic book films um, that have been done over and over again. But, you know, it must be quite hard to have a different perspective or the character for an actor to try not to, yeah. you know, watch the other films. It's, you know it's I mean? tough, really, because, you know, it's, if, if someone goes and wins an Oscar like um, Heath Ledger did, yeah, it's really hard to kind of match that. And I know Joaquin Phoenix, he won as well, but he managed mm. to find a different way to like approach the character. And the film was treated more like it was a you know Martin Scorsese film than a comic yeah, book yeah, film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know they've done that. So it's difficult to even find a new angle again. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like, um, have you heard of the Superman curse? 
like every actor has been on Superman films from God knows the dawn of time has been in some kind of accident. So the very first one, something happened to him. And then there was, yeah. you know, the other one in our, our era was um, Christopher Reeve and Margot Kitty, Margot Kitty, who played Lois Lane. Um, but like, yeah, there's been all these kind of, you know, accidents and sort of reoccurrence. And so it's like the Superman curse, they call it, don't they? Because everyone, everyone and anyone who's been in those films has had some kind of you know, accident of some kind. So... So yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, there have been so many people that portrayed the Joker. It, it's going to be very hard to match someone like Heath Ledger, like you said, especially if he's won, well, he did win the Oscar award. So so yeah, it's um, for sure. But I agree with you. I think he was the best Joker out of all of them. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he was, yeah. So um, yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about that? Or should we move on? And now we can move on. Um, yeah. So I've got three left. Do you want me to go for a man or a woman? Or should we do should we do a woman? Yeah. See, yeah. right. I'm gonna let you decide, okay? Because I put down Madeleine Ashton Manville, so from Death Becomes Her. But she's not really a baddie, she's just a diva, really, isn't she? Yeah. So, so there was that. But then I thought the other day, very recently, um, see, uh, the girl from Audition. Oh, God, yeah. No, I... That, <laughs> I think terrifying, that, that is, yeah. Okay, I think that... I mean, I'd be... probably marry her, but, I mean, I'd be terrified. <laughs> you know what? I, to be honest, I've got a confession. I haven't seen Audition. I'm too scared. But I know of the, the traumatic scenes, you know, I've seen yeah. them on have heard about them so i know exactly what's her name does she have a name in those in that film um or is she, i i can't know. remember what the name was but i mean it's a really interesting film the way it almost yeah. starts Why off like this weird kind one? of romantic comedy where this guy's set up an elaborate kind of um Hope this elaborate audition. audition process so he can find himself a girlfriend by That's setting up one. you know this movie that doesn't even exist yeah, it's a new and wife. Pick, it's, yeah, and then he, yeah, he picks the wrong one. Let's just say <laughs> that. <laughs> and um, and he and she says, uh, he says, I'll, I'll call you. And she said, okay. And then uh, it cuts to her in like um, at a house, just kneeling by the phone when it's ringing. And yeah, looking. and then you've got something in the background as well, and, and it's just and the fabric starts rolling around, and then you realise it's yeah. the sky in there and he's losing like a leg and his arm and his tongue and um yeah so tell, tell everyone what's happened to him tom uh, <laughs> to <play laughs> <in the> bag. <laughs> well i mean i i don't want to give it away because i want people okay. to go and watch it okay just because i'm evil and i want them to be horrified but no, you know it's good. um it's a very odd film but they do mm. kind of They've got some interesting use of flashbacks in it, so you kind of get a little bit of insight into her her history and how she grew up um, okay. without going too far into it, because I think you do need to keep a bit of mystery. Mm. Um, but I mean, she's really... Her performance in it is really good. She doesn't really give much away, so you can never really tell what's going on in her mind. Yeah. Um, but she comes across as being so sweet and kind yeah. and innocent. 
and naive, doesn't she? And then uh, she really isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Towards the end, yeah, just and um, but in a way, he kind of gets what he deserves. But obviously, that was a bit too much. (laughs) Yeah, slightly (laughs) extreme. I mean, I can I can see why Tarantino really likes the film. Oh, does he? I didn't realize. he's, He's a big fan. Yeah, so. I think that's a film that he kind of championed a little bit when it came out. He was always kind of singing its praises Mm. Um, because it's just got that kind of weird mix of, you know, dark comedy, violence. Um, Yeah, it's very much very kind of Tarantino-esque in that way. Yeah, right up his alley. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This cup of tea. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of horror films and I've seen a lot of kind of gore films uh, and they never re- they never particularly get to me, but that one, the ending does, just makes mm. me shudder. Yeah. Um, no, I'm too scared to watch it, but I know <laughs> of it and I've seen yeah. the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say one scene about when uh, she feeds the guy in the bag? That's not giving away too much, is it? No, um, no, you can. Do you know what I'm talking about? So apparently in one scene, she vomits into a bowl and she feeds it to the guy who's lost several limbs. Yeah. In the bag and he eats it! He eats it! Well, yeah, it's a, a bit weird, yeah, to say the least. Uh, yeah, so um, there's no way I could watch that film. But I thought of you because I know you love that film and you sort of were... Um, review about it as well so yeah i mean i wouldn't yeah. say i loved it but it, it's one of those it definitely sticks with you yeah do you know what's what funny you, is that, um yeah asian horror is so much more terrifying than western horror but i think i can't explain why i think because they have no limitations do you know what i mean i yeah. think as now i mean not in like the 70s for instance you know wes craven was a very bold filmmaker when it came to horror films I mean he he traumatized quite a lot of people when he did things like the hills of eyes and or was it how the last house on the left something like that I can't remember yeah that was yeah it. both of those okay yeah. yeah so they were quite horrific um and, and you know he pushed the boundaries he wasn't afraid to go to those places but now I think because everyone's so PC and you know a bit too like um they sense everything too much they wouldn't go there, whereas Asian horror really, really just doesn't care. It just Cocoa Pops. Cocoa Pops. Okay, you have a look. Let's take that down. Okay. <laughs> Cocoa Pops now. I told you she'd be back. She wants Cocoa Pops. Yeah. She does know it's two o'clock in the afternoon, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know... Anytime. 24 hours a day is Coco Pops time. <laughs> I don't blame her. That is quite a, a good uh, meal for any time of the day. <laughs> um, all right, then. So, I mean, I can't really say much about her because she's seen a film, but I just know that she's um, a very nasty character that you want to yeah. come across on a daily basis. <laughs> De- no, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely, no. Definitely don't go out with her on the first date. <laughs> Really, you know, really you've got to kind of a few dates, maybe, but always stick to public places and maybe yeah, see if yeah. you can, um, maybe see if you can win her over. 
Yeah. I don't yeah. think you'd have parts there, to be honest. I don't think no. it played her mind much. But, um, yeah, it is an interesting character, isn't it? I mean, how on earth would you come out with a come up with a character like that? Do you know what I mean? That, that takes a special kind of writer to just sort of come up with someone like that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's not I think, yeah. So, but they're not as driven by, you know, sort of distributor and like audience demands and things like that. So they're they're always looking, if it's a really weird and quirky character, they'll just think, okay, that works, so we'll put it in. It's not yeah. like, oh, that's going to, you know, that's going to not appeal to any market. So they'll yeah. leave it out or that's going to be too offensive or scary. Mm. Um, yeah, no, so they'll just tend to go for it and do what they want. So they, you know, they're very much thinking about the directors and you know letting them get their vision sure, to sure. an extent I think it's a, it's kind of drifted away from that a little bit more now but that yes. era wouldn't when Japanese horror was really peaking I think um, you know there was a lot of great great directors so uh sorry oh when, when was that was that like the late 90s or the early 2000s yeah that was yeah 99 Okay. So I think, yeah, between sort of 2005 and between 95 and 2005, it was okay. just like this really big peak in sort of Japanese horror. So like the ring, uh, not the ring, wingu. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of these ended up getting remade in Hollywood, of course, as well. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Like, and the grudge and things like that. They don't do it justice, so do they? The, no. the original are like far more creepier. Because I think the Americans, when they remake it, they, they give you too much to see. And, and sometimes it's better not to see because, like you said earlier, it's better for the audience to fill in the gaps for themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes they try too hard to be stylish, maybe, whereas a lot of those, like Ringu was, you know, shot quite simply. So they'd have lots of these static shots and very kind of creepy. And, you know, you, your eye would be drawn around the frame. Mm, Whereas you know, the other one, the the American remake wasn't too bad actually. That was one of the only ones. The first American remake was one of the only ones that was really kind of watchable. A lot of the yeah. other, the other ones were just sort of awful to the for the most part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right then, um, should we move on to one of yours? Yeah, and yeah. So on the subject of Wes Craven, obviously you mentioned him before. Mm. Um, I think my next choice would probably be Freddy Krueger. Ah, good yeah. one. Bye. I think, you know, I know Wes has done quite a few things and he's done Ghostface as well, which was another good one. Um, but I think, yeah, Freddy Krueger. Um, it's just like a little bit like The Terminator. I love those kind of films which, you know, are all about your nightmares because, you know, you know, Terminator had this nightmarish quality like, you know, it was one of your your nightmares come to life where there's something can you know always after you yeah. um and uh nightmare on elm street has this idea that something can kill you in your sleep and That's you won't wake terrible. up it is yeah so i think you know i think wes craven was kind of fascinated by this what sort of drove him to write the film was he'd been looking up these um stories mm. about people that had died in their sleep and you know, some of them had been kind of plagued by nightmares and things and had kind of almost foreseen their own death. And, you know, yeah. he was quite fascinated by that. 
Um, and I think, you know, he, I think he based Freddy Krueger on like an old, um, an old teacher or something he used to know or an old um, janitor or something like that. But uh, yeah, so I think Freddy Krueger is just this really kind of nightmarish, uh, really terrifying person that kind of hunts okay. you down in your in your nightmares. But, but that's just so like, that kind of goes back to your childhood fear, doesn't it? Like, <clears throat> yeah. never go to sleep because they're afraid of the monster under the bed or in the cupboard. Except it's in your sleep, so there's nowhere, you know, you can't not sleep. You need to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but, yeah. And then, you know, they they kind of, they play on that in the film, you know, that the the lead character is always constantly trying to keep herself from falling asleep. And she's kind I, of alone in the film, so, yeah. you know, no one sort of believes her. And then one by one, her friends are getting picked off as well. Yeah. And, um... Who's in that film? The very first one, Tom. I think it isn't it. Um, Amber Heard's ex-husband is in it, isn't he? Yeah, Johnny Depp. <laughs> that Depp. guy, yeah, Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think, think he played a pirate once. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. a little well-known, you know, a little yeah. character. You might have might have heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> <But> that <laughs> that yeah. was his like sort of first breakout role, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been in his early 20s i think he was when they made the film he was probably about 19 okay because he did yeah. um he jump street series didn't he yeah and that was uh, a couple a few years after but yeah oh, okay. Elm street yeah it was okay. kind of like his first role yeah yeah and you can see he's kind of raw in it but obviously you can also see that charisma hmm. that, was he quite that screen presence character? Uh, I think he was, you know, he was good in it. He wasn't sort of as accomplished as he'd become later, but he definitely had a presence and a kind of charisma. Okay. Yeah. Was he one of the sort of minor roles or? He played he the, the boyfriend of the lead. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that, but, I'm thinking of that awful scene where, I'm not sure if, because I haven't seen those films, but I've just seen clips. And yeah. there's a really horrible one where she's being basically murdered and tortured and she's in the bed and all of a sudden she gets thrown up and there's blood spurting out because she's on the ceiling. Is yeah. that her? I mean, yeah. No, that's that's not the lead, but that's her best friend. So, oh, okay. You know, oh, so this is, she's the, her best friend is sleeping and getting killed in her sleep. Oh, I Obviously, just, it's I, happening. It's being it's being witnessed in real time, in real life, by uh, her I, best friend's boyfriend, who ends up getting yeah. accused of murder. I just that. I mean, can you imagine how messy it was to clean that all up afterwards? Yeah. But I mean, they developed. It was a really low budget film, but they had to use so much ingenuity in it. So they developed this kind of rig, so where the whole room would be spun around, and the camera would be locked still. So you had this, yeah, like a rotating room, basically. They've done it a few times. Um, so where was she yeah. Was she on the actual ceiling and they were moving the room around? Because, I mean, this was way before CGI. So Yeah, so essentially what they have is like a room being, so they have this room with no sort of front wall, say, and then they film in the room, they lock the camera down and they spin the room around. 
So okay. it looks like the camera's kind of locked to a certain point, and then it looks like she's moving up the room or she's moving oh, up the walls. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. They did it. They did it in 2001 on one sequence as well, this rotating kind of thing. But yeah, it's old technology, but they kind of had to think of these ways to do things. Yeah, um, of course. Bearing in mind they had very little money. Hmm. Yeah, but there's it's, another yeah, there's another famous scene where Johnny Depp gets sucked into a bed and then it basically just oh, explodes out with blood. I think I might have seen that. Yeah. I, I mean this this one has all the memorable, the most kind of iconic moments. Obviously it's the first, so yeah, rule yeah. of thumb is the first one's usually the best. Okay. Um this was a lot darker. So after that one, um, the sequels, they had another dark one with number two, but yeah. that kind of took things in a very different direction and kind of yeah, changed the rules a bit. And then yeah. from the third one on, Freddy Krueger was becoming so popular uh, that they even had like kids' toys and merchandise. So he was becoming a little right. bit more comical by then. Well, he got a bit stupid towards the end. There was even like a musical version, wasn't there? I think that was way down the line of the franchise but yeah he got too silly and funny I think afterwards because it was just like the yeah. masks were everywhere and the hand the claws were everywhere it just um so yeah, yeah. But, I mean that was really effective yeah. in the first one because he'd go along like a, and scratch his his uh, claw on a steel pipe so mm. he had knives for fingers and he would be scratching things and yeah really really effective horror yeah. Because they kept you know, a lot of it very dark as well. Yeah. I wonder what that was actually made of, his actual, you know, glove. The actor. Uh, I'm not too... Who's I can't remember actor? whether they used real kind of, like, knives. I mean, they would have been blunted, but I think they did use real kind of knives on his fingers. Yeah. He's yeah. a really, like, he's a really nice guy, isn't he? He's like a, a proper yeah. rat as well so I don't think he was like famous before um and then obviously those films made him huge didn't they what what's his name something English I mean he's in his uh, yeah Robert England yeah 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 and there's there's um I mean he's very good you know like, with taking it like on the chin you know what I mean like he's obviously been well known as that character so so he's happy to talk about it and he makes you know jokes and stuff about it yeah and I mean, like, he, yeah he really loves it yeah yeah I mean that's kind of what made him really as an actor wasn't it so um and there's a photo a funny photo of um him and all the women he's tortured over the years <laughs> <laughs> actresses um yeah and there's god knows how many of them you know they're all smiling obviously because you know they're just actors but but yeah, um, I think he's got a good sense of humour, really. I think you'd have to, wouldn't you, to do those kind of films, especially if they're that dark. You'd have to be find a way to kind of enjoy them in a weird way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that does tend to be the case a lot of the times. You get these people playing these memorable villains and they end up being really nice in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, well... As an actor, you know, generally speaking, a lot of the time people are nice. I mean, I can't say that for everyone, but do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's so you kind of want to flip up the situation and think, actually, it's quite nice to be the bad guy. Do you know what I mean? And you can do all the things that you, as a, a real person, would never have the guts to do. So so um, I can imagine it must be a lot of fun for them as well. 
But, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of actors do say that they prefer playing the bad guy because they get to let loose a bit. Yeah. Well, and also the good guy, you know, it's a bit boring after a while. You know, they don't have the good lines. <laughs> they're, <laughs> uh, they're always being beaten and they get back up in the end. Yeah, they know. always spoil the fun as well. Yeah, they do. And, you know, sometimes you get like villains that are actually very comical and funny. Um, a bit like you said with Freddy Krueger as... You know, he kind of developed down the line of the franchise. Um, from is it three onwards? Yeah, from the third one onwards, he starts getting you know quite comical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But did, and then didn't they start having? I'm not sure if it was the Freddy Krueger when they started doing all those crossovers, like um, Predator versus Alien. And did they yeah. do one of Freddy Krueger and Jason from Friday the Thirteenth? Or they they I- did, yeah. So. They did, yeah, Friday the 13th. Yeah, so they did Freddy versus Jason, yeah, with him and uh, Jason Voorhees. Uh, Freddy had his own TV show, which was like a, it was like a Twilight zone kind of thing where, you know, okay. every every episode is a different kind of story. Okay. Um, and uh, I think he had a cartoon at one point. He had loads of kind of toys and merchandise. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he just ended up becoming really popular with kids. Yeah, it was the same with good. RoboCop to an extent because you know RoboCop was a lot an adults thing, and then he yeah. ended up being kind of transitioned into becoming a kids kids merchandise <laughs> machine. So not so not you know a good role model for for young kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's this evil person that yeah. kills you in your sleep, and he's like going like, "Hi, kids." <laughs> well, I think even in some of the later episodes, uh, in the later kind of uh, movies, uh, they started to make his uh, Freddy Krueger's costume just a little bit brighter because oh, really? they thought, "Yeah, well, we want to make it nice and bright and appealing for the kids." that are sneaking in to watch it um yeah so i mean it was just just hard the way these things turn out i know but can you imagine how many traumatized teenagers and kids came out when they saw the first film (laughs) (laughs) they would have been like suffering from severe insomnia i mean it was one of those it had quite extreme responses you know people were fainting and walking out were they you know not quite as bad as the stories they used to have about people watching The Exorcist when that was first out, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there were some extreme responses because people were sort of generally, genuinely terrified by it. Mm. But for, it's it's just such a scary notion being killed in your sleep, and sleep is something as a human you need to do, and as an animal, you know, all animals yeah. have to. Do. So, so um, it's it it really plays with a kind of primal instinct, I think, in all humans to, you know, to fear that, you know, f- fear something. You go into um, what what do they call it? Um, fight or flight, or flight or flight. Yeah, you know? yeah. So so yeah, but um, yeah. No, I I I think you're right. He is one of the greatest villains as well, for sure. Anything else you want to say about Freddy Krueger? No, I think, you know, he's just a, an iconic villain. Yeah. Oh, question. Who 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 won then between him and Jason? <laughs> um Does anyone win? I think let's let's call it a draw. I think there was there was some suggestion that they might have done another sequel. And then they were talking about getting another, a few other villains in to join them, like Pinhead. 
Um, the guy from Hellraiser, awful. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, do you know who else would be good? Um, Mike Myers. Mike yeah, Myers. Mike Myers. I think they talked about that as well. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't work. There's too many bad guys. There'd be like too much ego going <laughs> on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it just becomes a bit too much of like a gimmick, really, and a bit too cheesy. I mean, Freddy versus yeah. Jason was quite. It was fun, but it was very much, you know, um, almost a comedy. Yeah, yeah, but it would have to be. I mean, you can't imagine who would win in that situation because they're both iconic in their own right. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah. why would you bring them together? And then they just started doing that with all the other films like Alien versus Predator and all that kind of stuff. So it just got a bit stupid, really. But um, but there you go. <laughs> so nobody <laughs> won the fight then. It was a draw. No, I think um, there was a suggestion that Jason wins in the end and then kind of dies himself, but then they both end up sort of coming back. Okay. All As right, per then. normal, because, I mean, they both, they're both they both sort of indestructible, aren't they? they yeah, of course back. they are. <laughs> <laughs> or you could have, you could have one, uh, like the ultimate one would be, um, like, uh, Freddy Krueger, Jason, Mike Myers, and maybe put Jaws in there at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bruce the Shark. Yeah, Bruce the Shark. Isn't yeah. there like, there's like an Italian film where there's one point where there's a zombie and a shark fighting each other, and like the zombie is eating the shark and the shark is eating the zombie, and it's just like where do they come up with these ideas? It's a bit. I mean, it is funny. Yeah. It, that's the point where it's just so stupid. But um, yeah, that'd be a good one. So Freddy Krueger, Mike Myers. Jason and Bruce Shark to Jaws. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention it to a few producers. They might ask me and to write the, it. And maybe the Terminator. Yeah, throw him in there as well. I know <laughs> they did have, um, they did at one point want to do Robocop versus Terminator a few oh, years cool. back. Yeah. That's a quite, yeah, because they're both kind of cyborgs, aren't they? Yeah, so. I mean, they did, a, they did a video game, but they wanted to kind of do a, um, a film as well. Because okay. Aliens versus Predator started life as a video game. Oh, I didn't realise. Okay. And then they made the films afterwards. Yeah. And I'm sure there's been loads of comic book crossovers as well. Yeah. Sorry, you cut off there. Can you say that again? You cut off. So, yeah. so there was Alien versus Predator. Was that a game? And then eventually the films came out. Or did the films come out as themselves, like Alien, and then eventually they get the games got made where they crossed over so yeah you had the individual ones first you had aliens alien all that yeah. um but the first one to do aliens versus predator that was a video game oh okay yeah and then a few years after that they made the movie oh i see i see okay yeah. okay all right all right yeah and like you said they've done it with all the comic book films as well so i don't know <laughs> all right <laughs> well, then. I mean, yeah They'll probably do it at some point because, you know, Hollywood's just returning out old ideas at the moment. And they're getting bored and yeah. they have not originality. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately. All right, then. Um, anything else you want to say? Or should we move uh, on to... No, we can move on. Yeah. All right. I think we'll make this one the last one. And then, at the, and then afterwards, or at the end, after this one, we can do like... A quick list of dishonorable mentions. So, shall yeah. we do that? 
All right. So, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So my last choice is drum roll. Boom, 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 boom. Um, Kaiser Soze. Oh yeah, that's Kaiser Soze. Um, so um, who's Kaiser Soze, Tom? What film is he in? He's in The Usual Suspects. Oh, do you know what? I just yeah. love that film so much. The first time I saw it, I was 26, right? It came out when I was 14 or 15 years old. Um, and so it was 95. God, 95. Yeah. That film came out. So obviously never it's saw it. depressing, isn't it? <laughs> it is really depressing. Was it in 18 when it came out in cinemas, Ben? Um, 15. 15 or an 18, I can't remember. It might have been a 15, actually, because I think, yeah. Yeah. I remember getting you know that what? video. You know what's funny is that I never, ever saw it in the cinema. It just never appealed to me. But I just remember, it was summer. I distinctively remember it was summer. The posters were just everywhere. Like, I remember yeah. they were on the ground. You know, they were at my stop. They were just, those, you know, that famous lineup scene of all of them. Yeah. Um, but I never saw it. It just never, you know, it just didn't really appeal to me. And then I saw it on... A DVD when I was 26 so this would have been about 2006 it was 2005 2006 something like that um and it just absolutely blew my mind away it's just it really takes you on the roller coaster doesn't it you think it's yeah. one thing, and then uh and Brian Singer is it Brian Singer or who was the writer Brian Singer was the director. Yeah, so the writer was, I think it's uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, so it. he does all the Mission Impossible movies now. Oh, I didn't realise. Okay. And um, he's very good with dropping in red herrings, isn't he? Because the whole film yeah. is red, her red herrings. And you think, oh, do you know what I mean? At one point you think Kaiser Soze is um, Gabriel Byrne's character, who's like uh, this dodgy cop. What's the name of the cop? The dodgy cop that he plays, who who who's faked his own death. Oh, um, oh, I can never remember his name. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Dean Keaton. Yeah, that's it, Dean Keaton. Keaton. Yeah. So, so he's faked his own death, and he comes back, and he's trying to reinvent himself as a restaurant chaperd, isn't he? Yeah. Um, really, just this dodgy cop, really. Um, so, so you think it's him, and. You just and you never really find out who Kaiser Soze is because he kind of comes into it sort of halfway, and you never see him, do you? You just hear these awful stories about him. Um, but it's so effective. I just don't know how to explain why he's so good, Tom, because you hear about him, but literally, like um, Kevin Spacey's character, Verbal Kent, you know, says in the police station when he's been interviewed. Like, you know, some say he's like um, uh, like a, a spook story or, you know, it's something that criminals tell their kids, you know, rat on your, your yeah. park, you know, Kaiser Soze will come and get you. And So it's kind of like he's like some kind of mythical mystery criminal under, do you know what I mean? And you never see yeah. him. And I mean, that's the, the genius thing about it is it's, it's the person who's kind of narrating the whole story throughout. And I know, I know. Being, you're reliant on that person to be truthful. And obviously, you know, without giving too much away, you know, yeah, you might yeah, yeah. be getting led astray. Yeah, which yeah. 
say that happens. <laughs> don't, I mean, don't, spoiler don't, alert, but you know, yeah, the film's spoiler. 28 years old or whatever it is yeah, now. Yeah, so we all know. We basically, we've been told a load of crap by the narrator from beginning to start thinking he's Rebel Kent. But actually, you're being fed a load of crap and Kaiser Soze is literally in a police station having his interview <laughs> and giving you all that. It's basically, it's so clever, isn't it? Because the ending, yeah. big spoiler alert, as soon as he leaves the office and he goes off into the real world, you know, the detective is there and he's having a chat with his colleague, blah, blah, blah. And then he spills his cup of coffee and it just splatters everywhere, doesn't it? When he realises, as he's looking at the notice board, but basically, Verbal Kent, a.k.a. Kaiser Soze, sorry, everyone, has <laughs> <laughs> just been, like, looking at the, the notice board, looking for, like, inspiration and, you know, behind you, all these kind of fake stories he's giving, you know, the detective. Yeah. Um, and then he sort of, you know, the realisation kicks into place. But the best bit is when you see him walking out and then, He's chasing, but he can't find him anymore because he's gone. And um, Verbal Kent's walking off and he's got cerebral palsy, hasn't he? I think. Yeah. So he's got like a limp and his foot's crooked and he can't use one of his hands. His fingers are like kind of clustered together and stuff. And then and then as the walk, you, you see a close-up of the feet. So, you know, he's got that walk going on because he's got cerebral palsy. And then all of a sudden the feet start adjusting itself, adjusting, adjusting, adjusting to the middle and walking like a normal thing, really like a normal person walking really quickly, right? And then you just see his whole demeanour and whole, like, you know, body sort of change. And that's the big kind of dun, dun, dun ending, isn't it? I mean, yeah. can you imagine seeing that in a cinema? I really wish I saw that in the cinema. It would have been an amazing reaction from the audience, I'd imagine. I think it was quite good. I mean, I didn't get onto it until video. And yeah. thankfully, you know, this was sort of pre-internet. So, you know, you don't get everything spoiled for you. And I'd not kind of been, you know, everyone was talking about it. So like 95, everyone was talking about uh, this and seven. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, so thankfully I didn't get anything spoiled before I actually got around to seeing it. But it was just one of those things. It's like, it was the film to see um, yeah. that year. Did they come out at the same time? Because when he did Seven, that was weird, wasn't it? Because he basically didn't want to be put in the credits. He didn't want people to realise that he was actually in Seven. So Sorry, yeah. guys. He, he plays John Doe, but he's never, ever mentioned in the credits, is he? He, he kind of went all ninja. Yeah. And was that the same year that The Usual Suspects came out, that he didn't want to be linked as being like, yeah I think it was the same year and also and maybe partly because he was trying to do the other film a favour as well because I think if the usual I can't remember which one came out first but if you get associated as a villain and he's kind of throughout he's in the usual suspects from start to finish so if he's associated as the villain there there might be an assumption that he's going to be the villain again if they see his name in the credits on seven so oh, I yeah, see. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, it was a clever move from him, and he won the Oscar that year, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was for seven. I mean, he's only got like yeah, ten I minutes. It was for *Usual Suspects*. I'm gonna look. Uh, Hang on. It might. I can't. It was one of those. 
I think it was might have been seven because it was a little bit notorious because he was he had like five minutes of screen time in that film. I know it was literally like in and out, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, I imagine he didn't. You know, but, I mean, had he not had seven, I think he'd have been nominated for an Oscar in The Usual Suspects. I think it was The Usual or, Suspects. Or vice versa. I can't remember which yeah. one he got. It must have been, I think you're right, he did The Usual Suspects first, and obviously that was such a big film and a big kind of, you know, finale, that if his name popped up in the opening <coughs> seven, then that would Oh, no, you're right, yeah, Usual Suspects, yeah, so... Yeah, what, he got he won, uh, he won supporting actor in that one. Oh, okay, so who yeah. who was who was the lead then? Gabriel Byrne, because they're all kind of supporting leads in that film. I guess it's it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, you would have he would have probably thought he would be the lead actor because he's in yeah. it so, and he's the narrator basically. So, but the Oscars, you know, sometimes get it a bit weird, don't they? I think yeah. they had. They had Anthony Hopkins down as a lead actor, didn't they, for Hannibal Lecter, even though he's in it for sort of 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I know it's strange. There have been things like that, like um, uh, Return of Innocence with Winona Ryder and um, what's that actress? I love her. She's English. She's absolutely bonkers. Miriam, Miriam Margulies. Yeah. She's absolutely hilarious. And uh, she's got a great Norton saying how... Um, she was really annoyed because she would have been nominated for an Oscar for an Oscar's best supporting lead, but then uh, it was the same time when uh, Winona Ryder was when actually she should have been nominated as the lead actress. So she was really <laughs> miffed at that. So yeah, you're right. The Oscars are yeah. weird when they do like that. Um, but there's so many good actors in The Usual Suspects, aren't they? I mean, there's there's five. Is there five of them? There's five of them. I remember there's yeah. So you got Toro. yeah, the five criminals, and then obviously all the other supporting actors as well. So you got Benicio del Toro, Stephen Baldwin, uh, Kevin Pollock. Kevin yeah, Pollock. Kevin Pollock. Uh, uh, Pollock, Pollock, or Pollock. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel Byrne and Kevin Spacey. So um, I mean, they they just gelled so well together, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. I think you could definitely see the chemistry there. Yeah, yeah, they got on really well, but um, and everyone knows that famous Aww. line. Oh, she's back! Yeah. Hi, Lulu. She's vis- vis- visiting Chase the cat. Oh, okay, <laughs> ask Lulu if she's seen the Usual Suspects. Uh, I've not, I've not forced that upon her yet. So yeah, no, it's too maybe it's later. Too yeah, yeah, much later. <laughs> um. But I think what makes Kaiser Sozo so scary is the fact that, like you said, you barely see him, don't you? You're just hearing stories from the victims, really. Yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like Jaws, where you very rarely see the shark, don't you? You're just seeing like points of view from his victims, really. So it's very effective where actually less is more. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a, it was an interesting way to do it. And obviously. A lot of what you see through is whenever you see anything going back to Kaiser Soze's past when he's killing rivals and things like that, that's yeah, coming yeah. from, you know, what uh, Verbal is describing. So he's yeah. obviously exaggerating and kind of, you know, m- um, increasing the myth about, you know, Kaiser Soze. Yeah. 
and and then also he like there's that quote isn't there where he goes um uh and poof he's gone like that <laughs> and that's literally just how the film ends doesn't he he just gets into yeah. the car drives off and nobody ever sees or hears from him again do you know what i mean so he's yeah. like comes out of nowhere and he goes out of nowhere he's literally like what do you say the devil doesn't he like just comes out of nowhere and goes like poof, like that so so yeah kaiser sozo do you know apparently that was um Brian Singer's lawyer, uh, that was the name of his friend or his lawyer or something. So I tell that person was very happy <laughs> when he found out that they, his name was used as the villain in that film. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'd be interesting to see a sequel with just Kaiser Soze and maybe like what he's up to now. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. What with um, Kevin Spacey at the moment? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's a dodgy territory, unfortunately, isn't it? Um, all right. Is there anything else we want to say about Kaiser Soze? Uh, no, not really. I think it's just such a classic film and a really great villain. And um, do you know? Apparently, there was that. There was a famous uh, point in the film when Gabriel Byrne went marching off set, really angry with Brian Singer, because. He thought he was Kaiser Soze, and then uh, when he found out it was Kevin Spacey, he got really annoyed with him because yeah. he, he, Brian Singer, made him believe that he was Kaiser. Well, Soze. I think a lot of directors do that, don't they? They if they've got a film with twists in, they leave the twist yeah. until the very last minute, and they don't want their actors to know who but it why is. Because they're I actors. guess it's because he he probably doesn't want Gabriel to play it. Like he knows he's Kaiser Soze. Oh, I see. That I might see. be part of his thinking. I mean, obviously Gabriel was probably doing that anyway, of his yeah, own accord. Yeah. He's, you know, so he probably doesn't want to change his their thinking. But I don't always understand the reasoning behind not telling your actors what's going to happen yeah. right from start to finish. Because at one point, apparently, there was another point when actually he was confused because Brian Singh was telling him to point the gun at himself. Yeah. Dressed in- Kaiser Soze. So basically, he was Kaiser Soze. You know, there's that scene where Verbal Ken is explaining how he saw Kaiser yeah. Soze shooting uh, Dean Keaton, but you don't see who the person is. You just see someone in the hat and the, and the raincoat or whatever it was. Do you know what I mean? And a sort of dark yeah. shadow um, shooting Dean Keaton, who's on the floor, or whatever. Um, and then, as he's as a tech, the detective is explaining, goes, "No, it was him." Blah, 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 blah. And he's basically um, that's another red herring that they throw is that Brian Singer got Gabriel Byrne dressed as Kaiser Soze, but he's pointing a gun basically at himself. But you don't see that. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so yeah. he got confused with that. And then obviously <laughs> he's thinking, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, well, clearly." He goes, well, well, I thought I wasn't Kaiser Soze. Now all of a sudden I'm Kaiser Soze and I'm pointing a gun at myself. And Brian Singer was getting annoyed with him and just said, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, in the end, yeah, apparently there was a uh, there was a heated argument between the two of them because um, he found that, that actually it was Kevin Spacey that's Kaiser Soze. So, yeah, it is strange, but I guess it worked because, you know, it's such an amazing film in the end. So... Um, yeah. I think we should wrap it up, Tom. Let's just quickly give a few dishonorable men- uh, mentions and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, okay. Well, I've got to mention one of my wives, so I'll mention Helen. Oh, Marin. go on then. Uh, Helen. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not a great film. It's a pretty sort of average film, but she's a really good villain in it. Uh, okay. Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Oh, okay. I don't know that There's a, this kind of like thriller horror thing, a little bit of black comedy. And it's about this really horrible teacher. I mean, she's a little bit Nurse Ratchet. Okay. Again, but, you know, she's at this school and it's about her students trying to exact revenge on her. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, you know, Helen Mirren's all, she's great in everything. So playing yeah. the villain, she really enjoys herself. Yeah, I can imagine she yeah. would have been really good at that. Um, you just made me think of um, the headmistress in Matilda. <laughs> yeah, similar. Well, yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she's this awful woman, isn't she? And she, yeah. she passes the kids. She puts them in this dark cupboard or something i can't remember so there's that there's lulu's choice what was lulu's choice uh voldemort yeah i can yeah, definitely vouch for that that one i'm trying yeah. to think of some honorable mentions we said the terminator um yeah. alien or aliens i guess that's yeah the eight really classic um creature so very terrifying particularly um, in the first two films yeah 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 trying to think of other ones um uh, the uh, thing. Well, the thing, the thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, Robert Mitchum as was it? What's that film? Uh, Kate uh, Fear, and then later yeah, on, yeah, Kate Fear, Night of the Hunter as well was another one with uh, Robert Mitchum where he's really kind of terrifying. Um, I must watch that actually. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think, I think we're on the spot. We got uh, like, James Earl Jones in Conan the Barbarian. He's really scary as well. Oh, and Is, Darth Vader. We can't not Yeah, Darth that. Vader as well, yeah. That's another one. Um, James Earl Jones' voice. <laughs> that caused um, controversy, didn't it? Because he wasn't the actual actor playing him. And then the, yeah. the actor was this guy and he was really upset when they found out. And then on top of that, you had stunt actors that were doing the stunts as well. So oh, all right. <laughs> okay. So, well, we won't go into that. That's for another time, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, any other dishonorable mentions? It, it kind of been put on the spot, really. We've got uh, three minutes to think. I of think some we've other- covered most of the classic villains. I mean, there's so many. Um, the Disney ones we mentioned. Yeah, all one. the Disney ones. Yeah, yeah, all the Disney ones. There you go. That covers that. <laughs> uh, mm, it's hard when you've been put on the spot. The the crazy girl in Ringu Samara. Is it Samara? Yeah, yeah, that's another good one as well. Yeah. The girl that's being chucked down the well, um, who comes out the TV. Sorry, guys. <laughs> another spoiler. Is that Samara? Yeah. Yeah. I think also maybe, I know we briefly kind of mentioned the film, but Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct, she's really amazing. Yeah, that's another one. Um, who, who did Linda Florentino play in... Um, the, the last seduction. I can't remember her character, but yeah, she's kind of yeah. like a. That's another villain. Another interesting sort of femme fatale. That came after Basic Instinct. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and then Rebecca uh, De Mornay in uh, The Hand Rocks yeah. the Cradle. Uh, Kevin Bacon in The River Wild. Yeah, Kevin Bacon always plays a good villain. Yeah, he plays really good villains, but he's such a good character actor that actually yeah. I prefer him when he plays. Good the villains because he's a lot more three-dimensional if that makes sense yeah I, so, I mean that's I like right, yeah. he plays the good people but he's more fun as yeah because you can kind of see his perspective more yeah. 
feeling. Do you know what I mean? You can kind of not empathize, but you can see where they're coming from. Definitely, um, yeah. Well, Javier Evil. Bardem in No Country for Old Men. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. That's he's terrifying in that. Uh, Doctor Evil in Lost and Powers. <laughs> yeah, it's more comical, really, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, just too many. To, oh, who did Tom Cruise play in Collateral? Oh, the that's a good one. Yeah, I think. Um, he's like yeah, the that's one of the very rare kind of bad guys he's played, isn't it? So that's yeah, a, yeah. I've got yeah, a he's really intense in that because it's such an unusual film to see him in as yeah. the bad. Guy. He's always playing the good guy, you know. So, um, yeah, collateral. He's the hitman that's basically hired a taxi driver for the day just to sort of drive him around so he could kill people. And yeah. this poor guy is driving him <laughs> around. So, yeah. All right, yeah. then. I think we should wrap Okay, it up. I think that's a good one to end on. Yeah, Mr. we'll Cruise. end it there. Oh, yeah. and the Velociraptors and the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Yeah. And and Jaws. There you go. Yeah. I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, Tom. Let's say goodbye. Okay. Thanks, Bye-bye. Tom. Bye.